welcome to this King's Church talk. We hope that you really enjoy it. If you have any questions, please email us on admin at kingscc.org or you can go to the website www.kingscc.org. Thank you. Morning, everyone. So, today we are taking our scripture reading from Acts 1, first 11 verses. Okay? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This week we are excited to be starting a, a new preaching series and like we did earlier on in the year when we focused on one chapter, that was Romans chapter 8, uh, and just spent some weeks just uh, looking into that, we want to do the same thing again but with a different chapter and a chapter which many of us are very familiar with, it's Acts chapter 2. It's a, a chapter that is just full of amazing truths about the Father, uh, about the Son, uh, about the Holy Spirit, and that truths to ignite us and to put within us really a fresh passion for all God's called us to as church by the power of his Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, we're at the launch pad of the early church. There's fire, there's power, there's heaven's thrust, initiated thrust that propels a small group of disciples, but basically that have been locked away into global mission. This is the story that we're part of. God wants us empowered, overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, witnesses to Jesus, living as his followers, being authentic church seeing his kingdom come on earth. Exciting. That's God's call in our lives. And even in these days of restrictions, God's call hasn't changed and God's means and God's ways haven't changed. The last Sunday, in fact, we were together in, uh, just as a people, being able to meet in person it was March the 15th. And we listened to Ginny uh, give such a powerful prophetic word to us in terms of it's time to look different. It's time not just to 
as it would be novel or flashy, but to be authentic in terms of what God calls us to be. And of course, that's so different to, 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 you know, to the ways of the world. But also there was a prophetic word that Sheila brought, which was, it's time to reset. And uh, really, that's what we want to do with looking at Acts chapter 2. We want to press that reset button and say, return to heaven's settings. And also, we look at Acts chapter 2, and we look at church that, boy, was it different. So, before we dive into the deep end of Acts 2, we're just going to look at the context. And so, this week, it's it's my privilege, really, to open up Acts chapter 1, and we're going to kind of walk around the launch pad before ignition actually happened. So... Acts chapter 1 is basically a straight follow-on from the end of Luke. Um, It's like Luke wrote the first box series, and Luke's gospel is season 1, and that tells the story of Jesus, his his birth, his arrival, his birth, his life, his his death, his, his mission, his resurrection, and it ends up with Jesus's ascension. That's how the Gospel of Luke ends. And then we read Acts chapter 1, and it immediately picks up that same story. It's like that quick review uh, of what's happened so far. And we read of Jesus appearing to his disciples, and we read of two things, really. The one is the promise he gives his disciples. And secondly, we again read of the ascension, and that they're there, end of Luke and beginning of Acts. And it's those two things really that we just want to look at this morning. First of all, the promise. Let's look at it again. It says this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the father, well no, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. First of all, Jesus directs them to stay in Jerusalem. He says, wait there. Uh, This place that had been strategic in God's big story. And something new was about to happen. And actually the backdrop was the temple, that place that throughout the salvation story had represented God's presence on earth. But that all changed with the coming of Jesus. That actually his presence was found in a person. And it was in Jesus was found the forgiveness of sins. It was in Jesus that people encountered the very power of God touching their lives. So there had been a massive seismic change. But there was another change yet to happen. That actually... In Jesus ascending, that actually the the temple again was going to be relocated and it's going to be in the people of God, that they were going to be the people full, the church, the people full of God's presence. It's like the spiritual geography was going to change forever. Jerusalem, no longer the hotspot, but his people filled with his spirit. But just see as well that the promise was 
it was different to what they were expecting. We read about the disciples. They, they asked Jesus this question. They say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples, they lived with this expectation of what they thought Jesus had come to do. And it's there all throughout the Gospels. And, and it's here just, uh, you know, at this stage in the story. And I think there are just two things for us to recognize quickly here. One, timing always belongs to God. It's always the Father's domain. And we need to trust him rather than just being caught up in checking heaven's timetable and kind of prediction and stuff like that. It doesn't help us. And we can often stumble over this. But the other thing to note is that God is about to answer in an amazing way that is different to what they expected. God's answers are true to his promises, but they're often different to our expectations. And we do need to settle our hearts on that one. We can so easily tag on our expectations for anything that we believe God's spoken to us about. And we expect God to do it in this way or that way. And often it works out differently. And yet God's still faithful to his promises. But they're going to find out there's a bigger story that's unfolding here. It's not kingdom as they imagine it, but it's kingdom that's all about this king, Jesus. And that's actually the ongoing story of Acts, that the king has been enthroned. And they're heralds of that message. And this message is going to go out from Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So the promise, what is it? Well, it's that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptized, which we get used to in a religious way, but it was an everyday word in, 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 in Greek. And it means immersion, that they will be overwhelmed, that they will have an experience of the Holy Spirit that was to uh, affect all of them in all ways. That we should receive power. And you might know that that word translated, that, or the word that was used, a dunamis, that same word we get dynamite from. This is early church. They have a promise of God's power at work in them that is going to change everything. And we need to really hear that promise. We need to, you know, as we've been encouraged to press that reset button and believe this is what God calls us to. Church is not primarily about organization or or programs or structures and all those things all those things are important they serve us well but they're not the priority the priority is always what we receive from god and a church being equipped with his power the power of the spirit that was the launch pad of the early church 
That was the promise. That's what we need. That's what Jesus promised. This is authentic church. Doesn't mean it's perfect church. You know, I had people in it. Church is never perfect. That That is yet to happen. But it's authentic church. Let's be hungry for that. Let's be hungry for him. Let's be hungry for more of his spirit. Let's re-engage this promise. Uh, on the wall of my office at home, I've got this, uh, I've got this quote from Spurgeon. And, uh, I, and I look at it most days and I just read it. It's a great cry of the heart. God, send us a season of glorious disorder. Oh, for a sweep of the wind that will set the seas in motion and make our ironclad brethren, okay, that could be you and I, now lying so quietly at anchor to roll from stem to stern. Oh, for the fire to fall again. Fire that will affect the most solid. Oh, that such fire might first sit upon the disciples and then fall on all around. Oh God, thou art ready to work with us today, even as thou didst then. Stay not, we beseech thee, but work at once. Break down every barrier that hinders the incoming of thy might. Give us now both hearts of flame and tongues of fire to preach thy reconciling word. For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay, Spurgeon expresses it. Let's be a people hungry and thirsty for the breakthrough of God and what God wants to do. Let's see, this promise is a gift from the Father. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. And that's one of the the first truths that Jesus impresses upon the disciples, goes all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount. And he says to them, the Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. If you know, how much more does the Father know? If we ask for a uh, if we ask for bread, will he give us stone? If we ask for fish, will he give us a serpent? How much more does the Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And here Jesus, in Acts 1, he, he takes us back to the Father. It's the gift of the Father. The Father has promised. And it's a gift secured for us in Christ. And that leads us to the the second thing we're going to look at, the ascension. Because again, in Acts 1, we we read this, that after all of this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. The ascension. It was a crucial event, which we don't always give enough attention to. It's a an event, actually, that many theologians would, would, would just see echoes of Daniel 7 in it. And I'll just read that section to you from 30, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion 
is an everlasting kingdom and that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus ascended to the throne. He is the rightful king. He's overall. This is Jesus now. He reigns. He rules in all the turbulence, in all the troubles, in all the challenges throughout history, today and forever. Jesus reigns. He is the king and it's his kingdom that is being restored and it will be ultimately restored through a new heaven and through a new earth. The ascension wasn't just about the exit of Jesus. It was about his entrance into his exaltation. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And we're going to look at that more as we get into Acts chapter 2. But what does that mean now? It means this. He's now crowned with glory and honour. He's now exalted to the highest place. It means also that he ascended as a man. He ascended and now intercedes for us. We read in Hebrews that, that Jesus lives forever and he has a permanent priesthood, therefore is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That's Hebrews 7 verse 25. What is Jesus doing now? He's interceding for us. He's alive. He's the king on the throne, interceding for us. He continues to work on our behalf. This is wonderful. He ascended, so he will return. This same Jesus is coming back. And the, those, those, those disciples who witnessed it all, they saw it all, it's like their hope is redirected in that moment of them. You just imagine them looking up and thinking, what has just happened? Again, you know, not again, but another event. They're living through tumultuous times and change and events where everything's getting shaken, really. And as they're looking up, we read that these two men dressed in white stood beside them. And they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, I think I'd be doing that. But what, what these two men, what these angelic uh, beings are doing, they're redirecting the gaze of the disciples. You see, we're not just looking up and we're not just looking back, but we look forward. This Jesus is coming again. He will return. But in the meantime, these angelic beings saying, look, why do you stand here? They're encouraged to move on. You see, he ascended so that we can move on. The disciples start the question, is this the time? Are you going to be restoring the kingdom? They end up being challenged with the question, why are you standing there? It's almost like a heavenly, move on now, okay, move along now. In the light of what they've seen and what they've heard, 
they have now got they have now got something to do. And we read about what they do, and really, I want to finish with this because I think what they do next it guides us with our response. Going back to Luke's account in Luke chapter twenty-four, we read this that. While he was blessing them, Jesus left them and was taken up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed at the temple, praising God. They responded with worship. That's how we respond. That's why this morning it's going to be great that after the preach, we're going to go into our, our, our more prolonged time of worship. There's no better response when we read of Jesus has ascended to the throne. You know, that he is the one with all authority, all power. He deserves our praise. We're going to worship this magnificent Jesus, King Jesus. They worship. We're going to worship. But also the other thing we read is that they prayed. And that's what the Acts 2 account tells us, that they, uh, that they went, they all joined together constantly in prayer. We have the same promise as those disciples, the same Holy Spirit. And as we step into Acts chapter 2 over these coming weeks and look at it more closely, as we see it as a, a reset to heaven's settings, let's pray. Let's give ourselves to prayer. We, we find the disciples here in a room and in one sense locked away. And, but they had a promise and they knew what to do with it. They prayed. The disciples were living through tumultuous change. Everything of life that they had known to this point was about to change. And the future actually was very uncertain. What did they do? They prayed. The disciples knew they had a great promise. They also were beginning, I think, to grasp that this Jesus, whom they'd seen, they'd lived with, they'd followed, this Jesus who died, this Jesus whom they now were witnesses to his resurrection, had now ascended, was now exalted at the right hand of the Father. We now live in these days where we can know this Jesus, and we can access his power, the very power of the Holy Spirit, this dunamis power. Let's be thirsty for that. Let's be a people in these days who pursue the authentic, who press reset and live lives that are different. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we come to you and we just want to thank you again for this account of the, of the early church. 
thank you for the launch pad. <laughs> thank you for the setting of it. But Lord, thank you for what happened next that we'll look at next week. Thank you for that, almost that roar from heaven. Thank you for the ignition of your spirit. That Lord wasn't just to make those men and women feel a bit better, but it was to fill them with your power for everything you called them to, whatever that might mean. And Lord, we come to you. And in the words of, of Spurgeon, we say, Lord, we beseech you, break down every barrier that hinders the incoming of thy might. Give us now both hearts of flame and tongues of fire. Lord, would you do something in our day, in our time, in our town, in our villages, in our nation, across the nations? Lord, we come, we're hungry for you. And we call upon you, please act in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now worship the King. Mm -hmm.